You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. our Roman series because we weren't quite done with it before Christmas hit. I know we've kind of sprinkled in some Roman stuff, but today I want to I want to look at something Paul says, but in light of who Paul is and was. I don't know if you know the story of Paul, but after uh, Jesus died, we meet this guy and he's not really a great guy. See, he's a part of the religious leaders who got Jesus killed. Uh, There were some Pharisees, Sadducees, and these other religious groups that went ahead and uh, uh, really wanted to lead uh, God's people into a place of righteousness. And so what they would often do is try to do everything they could to be a, a super righteous and holy generation of God's people. And the reason as to why they would do that is because they got kicked out of their land as a punishment from God for being super sinful people. I mean, the Bible talks about how God's people eventually got to the point that like they were the worst nation on the earth. They had done horrible things. They were killing babies and sacrifices. They were uh, spilling blood everywhere they went. God's people who were supposed to show the entire world what God is like. Ended up showing people what Satan is like. And God eventually was like, this, this can't keep happening. And so God said, look, I love you guys, but you're going to have to have a consequence. Like the rest of the world can't just think like, this is what I'm like. Your entire job as Israel was to show the rest of the world that I'm different than this. And you haven't painted that picture. And so God told Israel, okay, you're going to have this consequence. You're going to be given over into exile. There's another nation called Babylon. They're going to come in capture you and take you out but don't worry i will come back some of you are still going to be faithful to me regardless of all this difficulty and i will come back for that remnant and that's what jesus is about jesus is the one who comes back to rescue the remnant of those people who follow jesus and then jesus dies for them on the cross forgives them uh, gives them the holy spirit so that they can finally be righteous and live the lives that they're supposed to live But while Jesus was on the earth, he was doing all these things that made the religious leaders angry because they're like, what does this guy think he can do? He can he thinks he can forgive people in God's name. That's our job. We're the priests. That's what we do. And he's walking around doing that. What does this guy think he can do? He's saying all these things that are contrary to what how we would interpret the scripture. How can he say those things? What he's got this massive following. All of God's people are interested in him and following him. This Jesus guy is going to mess everybody up. He's going to get us stuck in exile forever. (laughs) He's going to leave the consequences on here. So these religious leaders in their pride think like, we got to stop this Jesus guy from happening. We got to save all of Israel. Little do they understand Jesus is literally there to save Israel. But they can't see it. Because they're so blinded by their pride. And it ends up that their righteousness, it's actually not righteous at all. 
Maybe you've been in that moment where you thought you were being a righteous person when you realized, you know what? This is all about me. This isn't about God. For example, one of the first times I really tried to fast, it was all about me. <laughs> I remember that night, Jody, we were still dating. She's like, want to go get pizza with me and my friends? I was like, yeah, sure. I can't eat though. I'm fasting. I'm so righteous. I'm better than your pizza. And then I'm sitting at the table and everyone's like, Jamie, you're going to eat? It's like, oh, I wish I could, but I'm fasting. Sorry. And then I go to church like three days later. Oh, my stomach hurts. Jamie, why does your stomach hurt? Oh, I'm just, I'm fasting. (laughs) Yeah, no, I wasn't serving God any righteousness right there. I was being stupid, right? It did no benefit to my spiritual life. And I got what was coming for me when I ate so much Culver's, my buttocks exploded. Like, I deserved that, right? It was not a pleasant situation. Joel, thank you for laughing at that. The rest of you, you can laugh at it. It's funny. I deserve it. Thank you, Zane. Appreciate it. Hey, Zane ran our slides today. Yeah, give it up. Thank you, Zane. Um, I got what was coming for me. And the Pharisees, they wanted to stop Jesus from doing all these things that they're like, that's not righteous. We're the righteous ones. And so they kill him. And after Jesus has died, he's raised from the dead. He shows himself to some of his Christians, to some of his followers. And he says, look, I'm still alive. I'm resurrected. You too will be resurrected when I come back. Right now, I got to go to heaven. I'm saying the Holy Spirit to you. But I need you to keep living out the ways that I have taught you. And then Jesus ascends into heaven. Well, the Holy Spirit comes on them and they run out the door and they start telling the whole world in all the different languages. Jesus has come and he has saved us from our sins and he is coming back and bringing us resurrection life, just like he himself has been resurrected. Yeah, Zane. Yeah, and actually the Bible says that itself. In Revelation, there's one church when Jesus writes to them through John. He says, look, you guys have done a lot of great things, but the one thing that you messed up is you don't love like you used to. Like they were drifting, right? So, yeah, just like you're saying. But like the early church, like they, some of them, of course, drifted and followed the wrong things. But the early church was an especially committed kind of church. Part of the reason was because they knew if they became Christian, They could die. People didn't like the Christians. And that included the Pharisees who just killed their leader. They thought if they killed Jesus, like, we'll stop this movement. No one's going to keep going. We'll crucify them too. But then it kept going. And a guy named Stephen starts to preach about the greatness of Jesus and all the ways in which he's fulfilled the prophecies. And guess what they do to him? They kill him. Stephen becomes the very first martyr in the entire church next to Jesus himself. Stephen dies trying to tell the world about the goodness of Jesus. And here's what happens. After they stone him, they all just chuck rocks at him until he's dead. After they stone him, 
All these people go and take all the stones and they leave it at Paul's feet. And Paul nods in approval. He's a Pharisee. He wanted this Jesus guy to be ended. And he wanted all of these Christians to be ended. And if they're going to make a ruckus in the streets talking about Jesus, well, here's Paul saying, yeah, this is the way it goes down. You'll die too. Paul. Now, the Bible tells us that Paul was very zealous. He believed in the same God, but he didn't believe in Jesus. And so he's trying to chase after Jesus. Oh, sorry, he's trying to chase after God, right? But he doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And the Bible says that he would go to houses and he'd rip families apart and he'd throw people in prison for being Christian. It, the Bible says that he breathed threats of murder. Can you imagine? We have a hard time in American culture thinking of that. But Paul was like the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the one that like, if you saw him in the street and you were a Christian, you better watch out. They were terrified of him. Because Paul was hurting the church. He was ripping it apart. He was threatening to kill them. And who knows, once people were thrown in prison, who knows what happened then? Would they be killed? Would they be something else? This was Paul. And at one point, Paul is out when he gets knocked over. A light shows up from heaven, blinds him, and he falls on the ground. And he says, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on? Who, who, what just happened? He's got to know, like, this isn't a human being. Human beings don't show light from heaven. Human beings don't just blind you in a moment. He's like, what's going on? And he hears Jesus' voice, and Jesus says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul says, who are you? He says, I'm Jesus. Why are you persecuting me? And then Jesus gives him instructions. Go to this place. I've set something up for you. Now, Paul's got some friends with him at the time. They didn't see anything that was going on. There's like, why is Paul lying on the ground? His eyes were still open, but he couldn't see anything. So like, what's going on with this guy? What just happened? And Paul uh, is taken to this place by his friends where he's been told to go. And then Jesus shows up to a guy named Ananias, right? Ananias. He says, Ananias, here's the deal. I've sent Paul to this spot. He's over there praying. I need you to go talk to him. Now, how do you think Ananias responded as a Christian who has heard of the name of Paul? Kind of a famous guy. He's been throwing all your friends in prison and persecuting you. Ananias was not excited for it. He's like, hey, God, I um, heard that name before. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I want to talk to that guy. You know who that guy is? God's like, yeah, go talk to him. And so he shows up. He prays for Paul. Something like scales fall off of Paul's eyes, it says. He can see again. And Paul becomes a Christian now, that's, that's the amazing love of God. I mean, when you think of your persecutors, a lot of times the last thing you're doing is thinking about praying for them, praying that they would be saved, praying to see them in the way that God sees them. But the way that God saw Paul was, look, I know the rest of you understand Paul like he's, he's a persecutor, he's hurting people. I understand. But let me tell you the way that I see him. 
I'm going to use him to reach the Gentiles, which is the next big thing I'm doing. I'm going to use him to write nearly the entire New Testament. I'm going to use him and send him to the ends of the earth. And Paul, though he was once the persecutor, he's now going to see what it's like to be on the persecuted side. And Paul is persecuted right off the get-go. He goes from being a zealous Pharisee to being a zealous Christian. He, gets, he, he goes to a town and tells everybody, here's what happened. Now, you can imagine how his, his Jewish brothers and sisters were thinking. Isn't this Paul? Didn't we send Paul out to like kidnap all the Christians? Why is he following Jesus now? <laughs> so they try to kill him. And Paul has to run away. It's like the next chapter. And so Paul gets to another place. And he finds out there that he's got to run away. Because they're going to kill him. And so he gets to another place. And he finds out that he's got to run away. And by the end of Paul's life, he himself talks about like, I've been shipwrecked. I've been stoned a few times by people with rocks. I have been through all of these different persecutions. I was left nearly half dead one time. I've been threatened. I've been in prison. Like Paul went through the whole gamut of everything that you can think of when it comes to persecution. Just like he used to be the persecutor out of his zeal, now he has become the persecuted out of his zeal. And he gave his entire life to serve Jesus. Going to, in his time, what they thought was the ends of the earth. Trying to get to Rome, where the water started, and nobody knew there was much on the other side. Paul wanted to tell the whole world who Jesus was. And that's an amazing story. Because we usually think of Paul as like just a holy guy, just did good things. But he had to live with Christians who for a while didn't trust him at all. <laughs> when you read through the stories, like he gets to one part, I think in Jerusalem, if I remember right, and he meets the Christians there and they're like, uh, this guy's lying, right? Like he's an undercover cop, something trying to get to know who all the Christians are so he can sell us out. There's no way Paul has become a Christian. It's just, I can't believe that. Paul had to deal with trying to convince people that his faith was real. <laughs> All that being said, I want to read Romans 12 to you. Because the Paul beforehand was vicious. The Paul beforehand was violent. Paul beforehand was hateful. The Paul beforehand wanted to see people persecuted and killed. The Paul beforehand didn't want to leave things in God's hands to figure out. But instead, he wanted to take things into his own hands. Don't worry, God. I know you want to do these things and I'll take them all out. But then after meeting Jesus, we get Romans 12. And here's how Paul tells us that every Christian should live. You ready for this? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought. Uh, sorry. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Believe it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Most of that makes sense. I don't have to explain it, right? Love people. I will explain one part of this heaping burning coals on people's heads. <laughs> That's an old proverb. And there's actually several interpretations that people have as to what Paul means by that. And they're complete opposite. On one side, what people think Paul is saying is, hey, if someone hurts you, do good to them. And in a way, you'll put burning coals on their head. And what some people think he's saying is like, that will wake them up to the things that they're doing. They'll be like, whoa, I can't believe that I was acting that way. You would do something nice for me after I did that to you? And Paul's like, yeah, that'll, that'll wake them up. I've seen this done. Jesus taught this, right? Hey, if somebody hurts you, bless them. If they slap you, turn the other cheek. Uh, pray for those who hurt you. Like this is straight out of Jesus' teaching. I tried this once. Uh, when I was having a lot of struggles with a good friend who no longer could see me in any kind of positive light, uh, we were just arguing all the time. I eventually got to this point where I was like, God, I don't know what to do. I give up. And at the same moment, I had this idea pop into my head. Send them a gift every single day this week. It's like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is like reward their behavior or love them. <laughs> And as I'm thinking through that, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like Jesus. Love your enemies. Love those who hurt you. Do good to them. So I did that every day, sending a gift card, sending coffee, sending a fruit thingy, whatever those are. Uh, not a fruit basket, but the cooler ones. Edible arrangement. Yeah, that's an edible arrangement. I sent one of those and a number of other things. And at the end, of, I could see them on Facebook every day lighting up. I was like, who's doing this? You're just so kind. I'm like, part of me was still mad. Like, oh, just wish, just wait. Wait till you find out it's me. <laughs> like me. <laughs> yeah, like good. How could I be so thoughtless? Um, but then by the, uh, by the end of that, like my heart was softening every day too. I don't want to, I don't want to be this nice. But seeing them online not know it was me and just like rejoicing, it's like, wow, I miss that in our friendship. I'm softening just as much as they are. And at the end of the week, the final gift was a picture of us together. And things actually broke in that moment. We were finally able to get past all that stuff. Now, I wish I could tell you it ended well there, but it actually got worse again very quickly. But then, after some, uh, like a year apart or so, time passed. They remembered that moment as like a very solid show of affection. And then the relationship was finally fully restored. 
to a level where we can actually talk about very difficult things without uh, even getting angry at each other because we know that we both have the best interest of each other in mind. That's one way in which I, if you will, keep burning coals on their head. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you're doing evil to me. May, I, I'm sure I was being a jerk too because usually in all arrangements, there's bad on both sides. Siri is, she's always listening. Yeah. Uh, but like that was, a, that was a chance to wake her up, to wake me up, and to restore our relationship. Now the other interpretation of putting burning coals on people's head is the opposite. Look, if someone does something bad to you, and you do something good back, well, you need to know that the Lord is a judge. And Paul himself just said, you should never take vengeance into your own hand. As a Christian, vengeance is forbidden. Instead, you leave vengeance in God's hand because he is a judge. And one day when Jesus comes back, the entire world will be judged. So if someone does something bad to you, you do something good back. And in that sense, you kind of put burning coals or judgment on their head. And if if they don't respond to that, they're kind of left with this judgment moment. Because what's God going to do when he goes to judge that situation? I see you did something horrible. They did something good back. I wonder who's at fault. So which one is it? Keep burning coals on people's heads so that uh, you can repair the situation? Or heap burning coals on someone's head so that uh, uh, judgment can easily be seen? I would propose to you that Paul means both. I think Paul means both. Paul understands that the right thing to do regardless of the outcome is to love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. And this is the same Paul who persecuted the church. And he's not just telling the church now like, hey, look, be good to people who persecute you, recognizing that he's a persecutor. He's also saying be good to per- people who persecute you, recognizing that he also now has been persecuted. He has, in a sense, got his just desserts, if you will. But the Paul who once was murderous and angry and hatred, full of hate and and violence, is the same Paul who meets Jesus, falls in love with him, melts away for him, and just shows the whole world who Jesus is like. Yes, Amy? I feel like in some ways we're all like Paul now. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's the beauty of testimony, is that at some point we have all been on the other side. I mean, I, I grew up in a Christian house. I'm one of those people who say, like, I feel like I've been a Christian since the day I was born because it's hard to remember, like, an exact moment where uh, uh, I, like, I remember praying the Lord's Prayer, but I also remember following Jesus before that. But at the same time, even while being a Christian, I've had moments come up where I haven't acted like a Christian. And God has had to convict me. Don't act like that, Jamin. You're better than that. And I have to give my life over to him and have him keep chiseling on me the whole time. Because we're being transformed. Actually, Paul himself says that. We go from glory to glory to glory, being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. You know what that word for transform is in Greek? Metamorphoso. Does that sound familiar? Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. So the image that Paul's painting is like, look, there's your old self. Living by the old flesh, living like a human being, living like Adam did with sin and all that. But when you become a Christian, you enter a cocoon of sorts. 
And in the cocoon, just like a caterpillar goes into a cocoon, it keeps metamorphosizing in there. It doesn't happen in a moment. It's not like cocoon, butterfree. You know, it's not like an evolution of a Pokemon where it just like moves step to step. <laughs> but instead, you go in this cocoon and you start putting on the new butterfly, if you will. You start becoming the resurrected being right now. But one day when Jesus comes back, then we finally break out of the cocoons in full. We have been transformed to the fullness of the likeness of Jesus. We have been metamorphosized into the fullness of the likeness of Jesus. That's already started happening. The cocoon is already changing who you are as you yield yourself over to the Holy Spirit for him to keep chiseling on you moment by moment. That's hard sometimes to live by the transformed life. I'll actually I'll share one last story from my life just this past week. Uh, we have an online church called Jackson Cloud. Whenever you do things online, you got to deal with the haters eventually, right? And I always wondered, like, what would happen to me when I deal with haters screaming at me online? Because I'm more fragile than I look sometimes. Like, those kinds of insulting comments can hurt. But I've learned something over the years. They don't hurt me as much as I used to think they did. Usually because when people yell at me online, I realize, like, first off, you didn't listen to what I said at all. So your, your, your entire thing you wrote is like emotional. Like it's not based on anything I said. It's not logical. I've had uh, projects I've been a part of through Jackson that I make it into M Live, And then I read these comments of people like screaming at us. I'm like, you just sound crazy. Like this is not at all what I was talking about. <laughs> and those kinds of comments just bounce right off of me. But on Christmas Eve, after our Christmas Eve service, an hour before Christmas started, we got this comment that was like, Someone watched our video on the gift of tongues and just said, you, sir, are full of crap. I can't believe you can even try to interpret the Bible in this way. This is just nonsense. Why don't you go ahead and put your head in some scholarly books and lose some weight? He jabbed me, this stranger who I don't even know, jabbed me in two specific areas that were already kind of weak spots in my life and just hit me like a dagger. And for the next three days, anytime I, I deleted the comment, but the next three days, anytime I thought of it, like it just hurt. It hurt. And I didn't want to respond like Jesus in that moment. I did not want to respond like the way Paul told us. I didn't respond at all because anyone who's just going to go right at that, it's just like, what am I going to say that's going to do anything anyways? But I, I never thought about praying for them. I never thought about thinking of it from their perspective. I was just hurt. So I thought about the ways in which I might get back in a comment. You know, like, hey, it's an hour before Christmas. You saw, call yourself a Christian. This is how you act. <laughs> you know, like, let me just... Throw a little bit of condemnation on the fire. Make it a little worse. Thought about all the different kinds of things that I, I could say. But I did not stop and pray. So let's end as I pray for him now. And show you a little bit of what it's like to love our enemies. So God, I lift up this guy the way that he uh, acted. Um, and I try to put myself in his shoes. God, I thank you that he cares as much about the Bible as he does. Uh, we may not look eye to eye on this particular scripture, but the way in which he 
watched our video shows me that he cares very much about the Bible. And since he didn't see the ways in which I interpreted it, um, he got angry. But I pray that you would increase his knowledge of the Bible, that he would surpass even me uh, as he already may even be, that he would be knowledgeable. I pray that as he goes on to make any videos on YouTube down the road, that those would go on to help people and bless people and uh, reach out to them. I pray that, uh, God, that those comments came right around Christmas time and we're in the middle of a, a pandemic and I don't know how dark his life is right now. Maybe he's hurting really bad because of some things that have been going on with COVID. Maybe he's lost some people. I just pray blessing on his life and that he would find a peace that passes understanding. Uh, maybe, maybe Christmas has been hard. Maybe when he was a kid, his parents couldn't be around for Christmas. Maybe they had to work. So maybe he's just in an extra dark spot right now. I just pray that you would bless him. I pray that he got all the gifts that he wanted this year, that someone reached out and did something extra kind to him. Um, I'm going to pray that you would just fill him uh, with any conviction that he needs to have, uh, that if I run into him again and I need to have any comments, that you would fill me with conviction of anything I'm doing wrong. If I am interpreting Bible passages wrong, let that chisel me so that I can see them in the right light. But otherwise, God, I pray that any insults that aren't to be had there because they're unloving, help those bounce off of me because those can hurt. And I pray that uh, um, any, any kind words that I can offer back, that you would put those on my heart, that I might be able to do that. So I offer this situation up to you. I offer my brother up to you. Clearly, he's following you. I just pray that uh, a, a new level would come to his spiritual life as he continues to, to press into you. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's how we pray for people. That's how we chisel at our own selves. That's how we go from old Saul. That used to be Paul's name, Saul. That's how we go from old Saul to new Paul. That's how we keep metamorphosizing into the resurrection. You know what? There's some words in that prayer that, like, to be honest, there's some of them that I probably didn't mean. Which means I just got to keep praying it. That's what you do with things like forgiveness. That's what you do with things like blessing people. When you don't feel it and you don't mean it, some of the ways to start is just start doing it anyways. Okay, well, with that, uh, thanks for taking a look at Romans 12 with us. Happy New Year. That is this week, right? Right? Yeah. Next week? Okay. All right, cool. Well, hey, love you guys. We will catch you uh, next Sunday, if not sooner. And uh, have a wonderful rest of your night. Thanks.